the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Very good evening to you folks. Thanks for joining us for The Bible Live, the quiz show tonight. Uh, we get through the entire Bible every year. Now, our Bible reading programs, Monday through Friday, we've uh, moved those to the Internet. Hope that you can go there and find them. And uh, if you'd like to continue to listen to my reading of the Scriptures uh, through a 15 to 20-minute reading each and every weekday uh, through the entire Bible every year. Of course, that's p- possible there. And we're working on that now with uh, Campus Crusade or CREW, our ministry with CREW Military. Uh, we are hoping to include the readings on uh, the Crew Military app that you'll be able to go to and be able to locate and continue listening through the Scriptures every year as well. But here on the quiz show, we we go through those same readings. Uh, our reading schedule for the past week included uh, passages from 1 Samuel chapter 14 through 2 Samuel, all of this in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, Second Samuel chapter 2. So all the way through those chapters. 
And uh, it, there's a lot of information, a lot of stories, a lot of individuals mentioned in those chapters. So uh, we'll have a, a lot of fun tonight thinking through some of those stories, thinking some of the reasons behind them. Uh, that's the value of the scriptures to our lives. And also we read uh, the Psalms, chapters 56 through 60, Psalms 56 through 60, and we'll be giving you some questions on that as well. And tonight, for those of you who call in and and answer questions, uh, we're going to have a little time with the Scriptures in themselves. That's its own reward, just getting into the Word and and talking about the Scriptures and understanding better uh, what God has revealed to us about Himself, about His ways, and about the redemptive plan of God for all of humanity. It's all a part. That is the primary message that we find throughout the scriptures from Genesis all the way to uh, the end of the Old Testament and uh, the Tanakh there, the Hebrew scriptures, on into the New Testament as well. The central message is that God is calling out a people for himself. Ever since Adam and Eve, through all the generations, through all the centuries, through all the every nation, every tribe, every people group, the whole idea is that the Creator is calling out a people. I will be their God, he says, they will be my people from every generation, from every age group, young people, older people, teenagers. Uh, God is calling even today around planet Earth. That's the primary thing that's going on amidst all the news stories, large and small around planet Earth in all the different countries of the world. All the new newspaper stories, all the radio and television stories, all of the newsworthy events happening from sports events to birthdays and, you know, huge uh, international financial conferences and so on. Uh, All of these things going on have their role and their importance. But the primary thing, the great news story uh, from the biblical point of view that is always going on is God is working in the midst of all of these different activities, large and small. The Creator is working to draw men and women to Himself, to reveal Himself and cause men and women to give them the option of choosing if they want to be a part of the people of God. If they want God in their life, they want to honor God, know God, trust God, and so on. And uh, that's that's what's going on. And we have then now become um, spiritual Israel. We are continu- continuing that place. And we'll talk about that a little bit today, today because we're following in the book of Samuel. We're picking up now in this transitional uh, personality, this transitional uh, individual named Samuel. He is one, as you remember, he was uh, born to this young, uh, this couple. Uh, Hannah was the mother. She was not able to have children and very sad about that, and that she couldn't give her husband children and so on. And and she prayed, and under the uh, uh, influence of Eli, the high priest of the time, uh, she was praying, and, and God heard her prayer, and she was given this son, Samuel, who would come and he would help transition now as we move through, continuing to walk through with, with uh, the people of Israel the, and, and their specific role, their very special place in the plan of God for humanity. Uh, this people group, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants, and plus thousands and thousands of, of others who were not from that people group, who came from uh, the Moabites and from the... Uh, different people groups around them. Some of them uh, became part of Israel as well because they opted in to follow the and to worship the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we have uh, this people group that is 
that has this very special role, and they uh, part of that role was that they are a pitcher. They are a small pitcher of God's dealing with, with all the people of God, all those who genuinely, sincerely seek him and love him and desire him, and that God has purchased our redemption through the work of the Messiah, the Redeemer. But uh, that's one of their roles is that they they... They are instruments of revelation. They, they, the people of Israel, as we follow their story from generation to generation, from the time they left Israel to the time they wandered in the wilderness to those years when they uh, were uh, embattled and, and, and entering into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua through the 300-plus years of the times of the, the uh, judges that we have already read about, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then now we've come into First Samuel, and we're going to transition from the the emphasis being on on the the priesthood and on Israel as a as a theocracy. See, they didn't have a centralized government. They didn't have a king like other nations. Uh, God raised up. God was to direct each of them, the different uh, the different tribes of Israel, and guide them. And when they obeyed Him and trusted Him, they were blessed and protected. And when they left uh, that off, following after God and obeying Him and trusting Him, then they experienced. Uh, the uh, disruption in their in their social their their national life and uh they experienced uh, uh not blessing but they had hard times and difficult times and these would often bring them back to a place of repentance humility and brokenness and to call out to God and then he would raise up a deliverer and those of course were the judges that we read about in the book of the judges so there were 12 of them uh, 11 men one woman and now we've come to this at the end of the time of the judges. We have this individual named Samuel who is born uh, in some way supernaturally to Hannah. He from childhood is raised uh, by Eli, the uh, high priest. He learns about the things of God, about the uh, the calling and the special role of Israel, of the nation of Israel in the redemptive plan of God. And uh, he becomes a great leader of the land. He's uh, a transition between the, the judges and the time of the judges and moving on into the time of the kings from a theocracy to a monarchy. And also, he's going to change us from the emphasis on the priesthood, Eli, and then himself, of course, uh, although the, the high priest is still there and the, and, and the, the, um, uh, the Levites are still called to exercise their role, and yet they've already uh, compromised themselves to a great extent and uh, the worship of the true and living God at the tabernacle has already fallen into uh, disuse and, and uh, kind of irregular uh, times of, of, uh, of celebrating the festival days, you know, the Day of Atonement, the Passover and so on. And sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, depending on their, uh, their, the national consensus. So are they following after God or not? So anyway, he begin, Samuel also begins to transition the people of Israel from the emphasis on the priesthood to the rise of the prophets, these courageous men and women whom God touches, uh, they feel his calling on their life to deliver the message of God, to refresh and to call the people of Israel to repentance and to remember their role. So that's where we are. We're in the books of First and Second Samuel. We're going to move now tonight. Uh, we're going to move away from the experiences of the first king of Israel. That was, as you may remember, Saul. Uh, and we'll talk about Saul. A lot of the, tonight's passage has to do with him, his failure to realize his potential as the king and the leader of Israel. He 
He didn't understand the role, the place, the vision that God had for the people of Israel, very special role. And he was disobedient to that calling. And uh, God then abandons him. And he, he, through Samuel, he calls another young man to be king of Israel. Now, uh, we're going to see that's going to be uh, a young man named David who leads Israel to uh, probably its, uh, its highest point of development, of prosperity, of wealth, and of influence under King David. But it's going to be 25 years after he is, uh, in a sense, uh, anointed, after he is told he is to be the king of uh, Israel, it is 25 years before that that anointing uh, comes true. That becomes reality. So David is going to have to walk by faith. He's going to have to live with that calling on his life. And it's going to be a difficult time for him. He's going to be pursued. He's going to be persecuted, uh, chased all over of the place and uh, Saul is going to be seeking to kill him so that his children uh, Jonathan and others can can uh, be the heir to his throne so we're we're into some uh, deep um, drama here in the book of first Samuel a lot of things going on and a lot of uh, remarkable stories it's the time of uh, David and Goliath it's the time of David and Jonathan their very special relationship it's going to be a time when uh, we we see um, Saul trying to kill David and so on. There, there are going to be tragedies. There are going to be scandals of all kind. And so we need to walk through these and read them and, and learn the lessons that we can from them. I've got some questions for you that I, I can put on the airwaves. And if you'd like to give us a call, you can call 340-9585, 340 9585 anytime during the next uh, well we we have 90 minutes but I guess we've spent 10 minutes with that background of where we are and what we're doing and I'll tell you this if you do call in during this uh tonight's program in the coming weeks we're going to be giving away um free tickets to Splashtown this summer when the uh Splashtown uh water uh what do you call it uh waterworks <laughs> Water Park, there you go, when the uh, Splashtown Water Park opens up. Thank you, John. Uh, you'll be able to go and, and take you and a friend or you and a family member and uh, you enjoy uh, a day at Splashtown. So we'll be giving away a couple of Splashtown tickets to everyone who calls in and successfully answers a question. Or maybe you'll call in and like to answer, ask a question about uh, about God, about the Scriptures, about the, the books of First and Second Samuel. Maybe you have a thought or a question about those readings we've been going through, uh, then you can call in as well and just ask that question. We'll get, have a good time discussing it together. That's that's what we're about. We're about all things biblical. We're trying to get uh, get into the old book, this the book called the Bible, and uh, see the wisdom and the truth that it has for us today in the in our modern world that uh, each of us can have that relationship with god we can enjoy a confident secure relationship with the creator himself and we can enjoy that in this lifetime uh, as we trust in his leadership and his guidance and his control and working in our lives and through our lives here on planet earth and then of course on into eternity we have that promise and that that um, assurance that we will go to be with god and his people Forever. That is the plan of God 
that is revealed in the scriptures. So give us a call, 340-9585, if you want to be a part of the program and can answer any of these questions. From Psalm 58 tonight, Psalm chapter 58, what should be the goal of a judge? According to Psalm 58, verse 1, what is it that is the goal? What is the chief task of a judge and here we're talking about the judges of Israel in that time in which they lived. But also we can, uh, we can talk about judges in the era, in the time in which we live. We have a judicial system. We have a system of justice. And uh, what should be the goal of a judge? And that's a very relevant, interesting question because we have a, a new nominee for the Supreme Court position on, uh, in the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. There are judges now running for office here in the state of Texas and in, in Bear County here. So uh, what what does the scripture do the scriptures tell us that should be a ju- the goal, the objective of one who is a judge? Now, secondly, what is the ultimate solution for uh, the problem of unjust or wicked judges? There are uh, there are corrupt judges. There are people who are self-serving. Uh, there are people who uh, do not carry out the task and the goal of a judge. They are they are corrupted. They 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 have prejudices. They they uh, favor the rich and the powerful, or 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 otherwise. On the other hand, too, they don't. Uh, you know the. Lady Liberty, Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. That's why she has the blindfold over her eyes. And uh, it's not supposed to take into account uh, a lot of things. Uh, just just the law and all people are equal under the law. And we have a little bit of a crisis in that, of that in our society today, it seems like. So a lot of people uh, at least talk about the problems in our judicial system. So what is the ultimate solution? How How is God going to solve the earthly problem of unjust, wicked judges. So look at uh, uh, Psalm chapter 58, and you can read verses 6 through 11 to find out what is God's solution to corrupt judges. All right, let's move from the questions from the Psalms now. Let's move to a few questions that are coming out of the book of First Samuel. And as I said, there are a lot of stories that we're going to be touching on a lot of things, but overall, we see now that God is through Samuel, uh, this this uh, transition personality. He is going to lead Israel from uh, theocracy to a monarchy under King Saul, and then he's going to uh, abandon Saul, and through Samuel, going to call the the next king of Israel. And so we'll talk about David, and we'll talk about that wonderful story, David and Goliath, that uh, most of us, everyone, is familiar with. David fighting against this giant, this Philistine giant. And uh, that we we use that as into the pop, popular lexicon now of the English language. You know, it was a David and Goliath race, a political race or a football game. It was David against Goliath. You know, we, it's, it, we use that as an example of the underdog. And so we'll be talking about that story, about uh, the Philistines and uh, the, the tremendous uh, the trend, uh, thorn in the flesh, uh, the constant... Uh, persecution role that the Philistines and other people groups had over the people of Israel. Here's a question from uh, the book of 1 Samuel. Saul made a foolish oath. Now, Saul is still king of Israel, 
Uh, he led through some initial uh, victories, some uh, military victories, and yet he is doing everything that Samuel warned the people of Israel that a king would do. He's drafting all their young men and women into his army. He's taking them into his palace. He's taxing the the different tribes, the people of Israel, a great extent. He, he's uh, he's doing what a, a central, uh, an ever-growing central government does, and that's what Samuel warned the people of Israel about. And, of course, that's what... God warned our founding fathers of America about, you know, the strong federal central government uh, that would take away our freedoms and our liberties and instead of states' rights and, and so on. And we, we see some of that going on in our own nation today. So this is all very relevant. Saul, as he is king, he makes a foolish promise to God, a foolish oath that no one should eat anything, no one should eat anything until evening on pain of death. Now, what, of course, Saul did not know uh, is that his son Jonathan, who is fighting with his army under his leadership, Jonathan did not know anything about that promise or that oath. He was out on, on the front, front lines of the battle, and uh, he ate something that caused him to be sentenced to death by his own father. What a what an what a terrible situation, and it was really foolish, unnecessary oath. Uh, what did Jonathan eat which caused him to be sentenced to death by his father? And you can look at First uh, Samuel chapter 14, verse 27. First Samuel 14, 27. What did Saul, what did Jonathan, I'm sorry, uh, Saul's oldest son, what did he eat that caused him to be sentenced to death by his father? Uh, and then uh, let's go and talk about Saul. I've already said that God uh, took his hand of protection and his uh, commitment to Saul. Uh, God withdrew his support for Saul because Saul was disobedient. Uh, he sinned against the Lord. He disobeyed God. What sin did Saul commit which caused God to eliminate him and his lineage from leading the people of Israel, from being king of Israel. What sin did Saul commit? And by the way, just so you know, it wasn't that, if that, it wasn't that foolish oath that he took. It was something else. And you'll find it in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 3. 1 Samuel 15, 3. It's an open book quiz here on the quiz show. You can look it up and call in and give us the answer if you'd like. Or if you know the answer you're, without looking, that's great too. Just give us a call. Let us know. What was the sin that Saul committed? It could have been a combination of things, but this is mentioned here specifically in Psalm 15, verse 3. Uh, we're told that uh, the consequence of this sin is that God removes his hand of blessing on, from Saul. Uh, here's another question. God led Samuel to anoint another young man from the family of Jesse to be the king of next king of Israel. I've already told you who that is going to be. What city did Jesse and his family live in? God led Samuel to anoint a young man from the family of Jesse to be the next king of Israel. What city did Jesse and his family live in? Uh, now, you should have maybe picked this up from the book of Ruth that we read. Uh, about because we know that that has something to do with our story over this young man and his family. But what was the city that Jesse and his family lived in? You'll find it in First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16, 
verse 1. What was the town? Now then, hmm. Let's look at another question here. I'm going to go deeper down into the story, into the book of uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, Saul begins... Hmm, I'm going to have to find a question. It doesn't give away uh, <laughs> an answer that I'm looking for. Oh, let's do this. Let's go to First uh, Samuel chapter 31 to the end of the chapter uh, into the end of the book of First Samuel. Let's look in that chapter, that final chapter there, and find out in the bat in a battle with the Philistines, how did King Saul die? All right, can do you remember how was it? that King Saul died. After all of this uh, story and all of this adventure and all of this pursuing of the next king and so on, uh, it's a long, involved, complicated processes. Uh, Help me see. But ultimately, uh, King Saul dies, and he dies uh, in line with, in accordance with a prophecy that had been given about him and his death. So uh, how did King Saul Die. If you know the answer to any of these questions, you can give me a call, 340-9585. We're giving away free tickets to Splashtown this summer. So if you call in tonight and answer correctly, uh, we'll give you a couple of free tickets, $50 value or more, to Splashtown. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Peace through planning. It's a beautiful thing. We're talking with Charlie Weisinger of Weisinger Law Firm. And, Charlie, 41% of baby boomers don't have a will in place. Charlie, your clients need to make sure their 20, 30-something-year-old children take advantage of your free consultation. Well, in my view, every person over the age of 18 needs a plan in place because as a legal adult, no one has any authority over them to handle their bank accounts or make medical decisions unless they give someone that authority even when mom and dad are still paying the bills. And I can help put all those plans in place. People think, I don't have much. I don't own land and property. Uh, My will can wait. Actually, it's more important to have a plan in place because without a will, probate can be much more expensive. And folks with smaller estates simply can't afford going through the probate process and property could be lost. So the answer is call attorney Charlie Weisinger of Weisinger Law Firm today and let Charlie help you achieve peace through planning. Charlie, what's your phone number? Phone number here in San Antonio is 210-308-308. 0800. For Weisinger Law Firm, 
WeisingerLawFirm.com. This is Roddy Crankshaw coming to you today here at 630 The Word. Just want to invite you to come out and be with us on Sunday nights at 1030. We're going to be praying for the sick. We're going to be praying for those that are needing prayer. We want you to call in and just remind you 1030 on Sunday nights. You're welcome to call in. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Live, the quiz show. We've got some questions out on the airways for you to answer. If you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585. Here are the questions I've put out tonight at the very beginning. Let me run through them very quickly from the Psalms. Psalm 58, I ask, what should be the goal of a judge? And you find the answer right there in Psalm 58, verse 1. And then what is the ultimate solution to the earthly problem of unjust, wicked, corrupt judges? What is the ultimate solution that is presented to us in Psalm 58, verses 6 through 11? You can look those up. And then in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, makes a foolish oath that no one should eat anything until evening on pain of death. But not knowing about that, that oath or that promise, his son Jonathan eats something which causes him to be sentenced to death by his father. You can look the answer up in 1 Samuel fourteen twenty-seven. 1 Samuel fourteen twenty-seven. What is it that's, that uh, Jonathan ate? that caused him to be sentenced to death by his father. And then this question, what sin did Saul commit which causes God to eliminate him and his lineage, uh, which includes Jonathan there, from being becoming king of Israel? What sin did Saul commit which eliminated him from uh, being king of Israel? That's found in chapter 15, verse 3. And then this question, God led Samuel to, to anoint another young man <clears throat> from the family of Jesse to be the king of Israel. <clears throat> what city did Jesse and his family live in? And you can find the answer to that in the book of Ruth that we've already read together, but also here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. What city did Jesse and his family live in? And then finally, this question in the, this particular battle with the Philistines, his last battle, King Saul is killed. He dies in that battle. How did he die? Can you remember and recall from 1 Samuel chapter 31, verses 3 through 6, if you can remember, how did King Saul die in that final ultimate battle? Let's go to our phone lines and pick up a call from Bob tonight. Hi, Bob. Good to talk with you. Hi, Brother Sophie. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine, and I hope you can hear me as well over there. And I hope you can answer some of our questions tonight, Bob. Uh, 
I can't even think of a question that you asked so far. I guess honey. Uh, there you go. Uh, Jonathan, he, he, he ate the honey, uh, and that was a, that he, a bad thing, apparently, he was in the eyes of Saul. They were in the midst of the uh, battle. He was hungry. He was tired, and uh, he didn't know about this oath that his father had taken. And so in, in, in perfect innocence, he found a honeycomb, and, and he simply dipped into it to get a little bit of nutrition, a little bit of strength for the battle. And uh, he finds out that he, uh, his father has made this oath. And uh, frankly, it almost looks like, if you remember the story, Bob, it looks like, uh, it looks like Saul is just about ready to act on his oath. He's, he seems like he's fairly much committed to going ahead and killing his oldest son, Jonathan. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember what kept uh, Saul from keeping his promise? What kept Saul from killing Jonathan? Do you remember? Uh, this, this was always something that affected Saul. Saul, uh, the people rose up and they said, no, you, you can't do that. Uh, because uh, really, we, we won the battle and we only won the battle because we got some energy from this, uh, this uh, in Hebrew you call it a gibrahio, uh, a, a mighty man of valor, uh-huh. and but he he needed energy out there in the field uh, for a long day of battle, and he he got uh, he got some more sugar in him with that honey, and uh, the people said, uh, "No, you're not gonna you're not gonna harm him." It was and my uh, popular show show relented. Yeah, popular demand. Uh, they said, "This is foolishness. Don't do that." And so Saul uh, he relented and did not kill Jonathan. Um, that's right. Very interesting. Maybe you can answer another question that I, I you have a, a good, rich understanding of some of the early the the, the Hebrew scriptures here and, and some of their significance. Uh, do you recall, Bob? Uh, and here you've already won. Uh, we're going to get, send you a couple of uh, tickets to Splashtown. Maybe you got some grandkids, or you and the family. You may enjoy that this summer. Uh, you could yeah. you do anything you'd like with them. We'd love to send those to you. But sure. How, why did God? Give me a little bit of your understanding of why God rejected Saul. I, I used to, of course, uh, before we've always had, you know, Jacob has been here to kind of help me with some of this and some of you folks calling in. Give me a little insight into the Hebrew scriptures, into the Hebrew culture and language, society, the tradition and so on. And, and it all, I felt kind of sorry at one time in my life as I read through the scriptures. I, I kind of felt sorry for Saul that, well, you know, it seems like he tried so hard, and when you just read the story like we do, uh, you don't get. It seems kind of. Uh, it, it seems kind of extreme, you know, the the, the measure of punishment or, or discipline that God poured out on him. Uh, give me your take on Saul. Why? What happened here? Why did God eliminate him? Why did God take his hand of protection, his calling on his life, away from Saul? Well, uh, the crown of the king weighs heavy. Uh, the crown of responsibility weighs heavy on any uh, man or woman who has responsibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really was not up to the job, unfortunately, uh, or sadly. And uh, uh, he, uh, he lost faith. Uh, he was worried about uh, popular opinion. And uh, uh, he kind of lost his mind. He, he, he went into uh, mental uh, illness. And uh, at that point, he he was rejected. He he, he lost his faith. He, he wasn't working through the, the prophet, the uh, the, uh, 
Office of Prophet is extremely important, and this is the first. You know, you had Pharaoh and you had Moshe, the prophet, and it was a, had a tough relationship. And then the next time you run into it, really is. Uh, uh, well, there was a brief, uh, a brief uh, dalliance with kingship uh, back in the Book of Judges, but you really run into the the king prophet. Uh, I play in, uh, with with, with uh, Shaul, and uh, Shaul failed. But uh, I would say he he didn't direct his heart. I, he was in First Samuel today, just totally coincidentally, in First Samuel seven. Interesting. And uh, well, Samuel uh, says to the people, "This is." Uh, before Saul is uh, chosen, I do believe, but uh, it's in First uh, Samuel seven, maybe slightly after. But he said, "You have to turn your heart. You have to uh, direct your heart to uh, Elohim." And they hadn't done that. And when they directed their heart to Elohim, they put away their idols, and they began to have um, victory over the Philistines again because they were losing to the Philistines. And uh, he, he solution: turn your heart, uh, direct your heart. So uh, I, I. I uh, it's in uh, seven verse three, uh-huh. and uh, I uh, we uh, we went to uh, see uh, Yitzhak Shapira yesterday at the Aim Congregation, oh, yes. and uh, he he is a uh, rabbi who uh, came to teach us, and uh, he his uh, focus was the bridge, uh, which really uh, he, he's really calling it a bridge, but it's it's really a ladder, a stairway that. Uh, uh, Jacob had in uh, at Bethel in a dream, and where uh, messengers were going up and down, bringing uh, the messages to heaven and from heaven. But uh, this, this uh, we think of it as a a, a, a vertical ladder. But uh, the vision there, in uh, some aspects of Judaism, is it, it's it's a diagonal ladder, very 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 long, and. Uh, it requires teamwork to get up and down it because there are messengers, and those messengers are helping themselves. You, you have to sort of push the other one up and push the other one down because it's a long journey, and uh, the idea is uh, teamwork. And uh, the only way we can get to that, uh, the idea of uh, bringing as it is on heaven, so on earth, uh, in, in uh, the Master's Prayer, is we have to have teamwork. And... Uh, uh, Jonathan and David were example of a team, yes. and uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, um, Joshua and Caleb were an example of a team. They were the two who came back with a good report right. when uh, the twelve were sent out, and uh, Joseph and Judah have to be a team. And uh, in other words, Christianity and, and uh, Judaism needs to be a team. And uh, wonderful. Uh, the the uh, the concept is. Uh, you have a bridge, and uh, the, in Malachi it says the fathers, the, the heart of the fathers will be thrown to the children, are the children to the fathers, and that illustrates the the of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, you have the first generation who came out. Moshe is Moses is uh, his name means to draw out. He brought them out, but he couldn't go in. Right. So the first generation came out, but couldn't go in, and the second generation was born in the wilderness, but they did go in. So the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the children are linked, and they're linked by Joshua and Caleb, who were the bridge. And uh, also Eleazar was a bridge. He was a Levite, the son of Aaron. He also went in. He he came out of Egypt and also went in. So those three men uh, came out and went in. They were the bridge. They were like the ladder 
but uh, it's a matter of teamwork. So uh, I thought it was a pretty heavy message that he gave us. Uh, HAE Congregation is out there at uh, Alamo Downs. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to go in Alamo Downs, only about a block past the Red Roof Inn. And uh, I thought it was a strong message he gave. He gave a lot of advice to Cameron, who's the congregation leader, that, hey, you need to have the, 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 the contribution box. You need to have it in plain sight, not off over in the corner. You don't need to be embarrassed to ask for contributions uh, because we, you need this thing to grow. But uh, he's, he's Israel-based, but he's very uh, – he, he wrote this, the, the, the book called The Kosher Pig. The Kosher uh, Plague. Wow. The, the kosher pig, the kosher pig, the kosher pig. Wow, that's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you can you can read about it on the website, thekosherpig.org, I think. But uh, it has to do with uh, really kind of the, the Messiah. He's regarded as a pig, but he's really kosher. Uh, in Judaism, he's regarded as a pig, but he's really kosher. But to the Christians, uh, they, they they regard him as kosher, but they like pig. So it's it's kind of like uh, you, you, we need a bridge. We need a Joshua and a Caleb to bring the two sides to understanding. And from the, from a point of understanding, we can we, we can both begin to exchange ideas uh, uh, more freely. Great, great, Bob. Uh, but, great insight. I I find that very intriguing as well. And what a very creative title to uh, communicate that. Uh, that concept, yeah. that he is, uh, this man, Shapira, has been in contact with uh, the Vatican. He's been in contact with uh, the Orthodox rabbis down in Colombia, of all places. Uh, he's very active in South America. But they don't want to proselyte the Jews over in Israel, but they do produce um, some leaflets that are just available for free uh-huh. so that people can read. And he, he uses... The, the Hebrew scriptures, but he also uses some of the Talmudic uh, material uh-huh. to um, enlighten, shall we say, yeah. and and to show his position yeah. that Yeshua is Messiah. So uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's Yitzhak Shapira, Yitzhak Shapira, and kosherpig.org uh, okay. and uh, <laughs> Ahava. His, his his main website is Ahava something. Ahava means love. Uh-huh. So he, he reaches out to others in love, but he's not really trying. He's not really trying to convert people, but he's trying to reach out in love to other people. All right, my brother. Hey, that's great, Bob. Thank you. All of that is very encouraging. I'm glad you attended. I'm glad you called in tonight to let us hear about this. Now, don't hang up. I'm going to get John to take down some information so we can send you the, sure. these tickets. You can yes, uh, use them any way you'd like. Let me get you to ask, answer one more of our questions because it's one that I, I'd like to get answered so we, I could ask a few more questions. What was, called, what was the city that Jesse and his family lived in? It really wasn't a giant city, uh, but it was, or at least a town. What was the town in which Jesse and his family lived? I believe it's kind of a hyphenated name. Uh, it's maybe connected by a makaif in, in the Hebrew. Beit Lachem, like like so many Hebrew uh, words and names, it's a compound of the house of bread. Beth Beth Lachem, Beth Lachem, Bethlehem. Bethlehem, exactly right. And of course, everybody uh, knows about Christmas and the birth of Messiah, Bethlehem. It, it's a little town it's a, heavily into the, it's, uh, the biblical narrative. It's uh, it's it's something called Ephrata, yep. and uh, Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the first king of the north, 
uh, really the, the birth of the, the Christian movement, I think, uh, came through Jeroboam, and he was also a man who went, fell into kind of a madness, uh, lost his faith, became a skeptic or a scoffer. Uh-huh. But uh, Jeroboam, he, it, it says that he was an Ephrati, even though he was of... Uh, the son of Nabat, uh-huh. uh, a, a, a man of Joseph, uh, the Joseph tribe, but he was an Ephrati, an Io, Ephratati, and I think it, that may be a generic term for a certain kind of dedicated individual, um, but in addition to the town, because the town is way south of, of Yerushalayim, and the Joseph territory is up north, but in, uh, he may have been pressed into service by Solomon uh-huh. uh, d- down south, and maybe he spent some time in Ephrata, um, but um, because he then became a, <coughs> a, uh, a chief of the forced labor to build building something called the Milo, right? And then, but then later there was a contract out in his life, and he he got cowardly, kind of like Shaul, he got cowardly and ran down to Egypt, and was probably propagandized down there into losing his faith. And in likelihood, it wasn't entirely unmerited uh, cowardice. I mean, I think there probably was a little bit of fear on his part that he would be pursued, that he could be. Yeah, they were pretty serious about the uh, royal uh, claims and those claims to the throne and so on. And they pretty much eliminated people, it seemed, quite often. But anyway, Bob, I am so grateful you called in. Please don't hang up. Uh, John's going to take down some information so we can mail you these tickets uh, to Splashtown. And uh, we'll uh, hope you'll continue to listen. And, and, and maybe you've given some food for thought for some others listening tonight from the book of 1 Samuel. So let me, uh, let me place you on hold here. And you can go and visit there with, uh, with John and, and get that information. Now... What Bob shared a lot of stuff there, a lot of information, and that's uh, that's really helpful. He's talking about Jeroboam, Rehoboam. This was many, uh, many decades later, uh, uh, after the after David's uh, reign, after Solomon's reign, the nation of Israel splits and divides. When the northern kingdom, the ten northern tribes, divide from the uh, from uh, the tribes in the south, from Judah and Benjamin. And uh, this young man named uh, Jeroboam becomes the leader of the tribes in the north, and he leads them into apostasy almost immediately, away from, away from the uh, God, away from the commands of God, away from the Levitical system that God had in that that God had ordained for the people of Israel. And a lot of different ways he led them away from uh, uh, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And of course, they suffer the consequence. Uh, over time of that uh, they're abandoning the true and living God and their part in the plan of God. And that's kind of what I wanted to emphasize a little bit tonight uh, is that what is it that Saul did that eliminated him from being from being our uh, um, uh, from being the king of Israel here? What is it that Saul did? And uh, that eliminated him from God's consideration to be the king himself and for his lineage. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit, but we ha- part of it, part of the reason I think has to do with what is God's original plan, what is his place, and what is his original plan for Israel as a people. 
This is a nation. This is a people group that God himself has birthed. God himself has raised them up. He he actually has, over time, he has uh, molded and shaped and formed this people group very carefully over uh, many, many decades and years. Uh, and they have a specific plan. God has a specific plan for this people group. And, and the point is, is that uh, Saul was not in line with that plan. Saul didn't understand it. He didn't value it. Uh, and that he did not, um, as the leader and the king, he would not be one that would help uh, Israel lead them to fulfill their God-given, God-ordained um, purpose uh, in his redemptive plan for mankind. So we, well, we, we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and why Saul, God abandoned Saul and took his hand of protection from him. Uh, but first, let's go to our phone lines and visit with... Jim calling in. Hello, Jim. How are you this evening? Hey, sir. Pretty good. How are you, sir? I'm glad to hear from you. What's going on? <laughs> well, I thought I'd ask you the question you brought up. That's an intriguing question about why was Saul and his descendants disqualified from the kingship. Yeah, there's a passage in chapter 15, verse 3. It seems to give us, uh, I think I'm getting some feedback. Do you mind uh, turning off the radio? Somehow or other, it's in the background, I believe. And we're getting sure. Some, okay. Uh, we're told there... Uh, it looks like it's because of this one specific thing that that, that he does, this disobedience. Uh, but I'm wondering if it might be even a larger uh, issue than that. But I, I'm I'm open to what you're wanting to share, Jim. I know that you you love the scriptures, you love the word here, and maybe you have some insights for us as well. What, in your view, what what is it that Saul did? Why is it that he was eliminated from from this wonderful privilege to lead the people of God? Well, I was you. Also, I kind of felt sorry for him because I thought, yeah, you had kind of a great consequence. I wonder was it in line with what he did? But you know, God's just, so you know, I'm not to question that. But yeah. yeah, just literally from the passage, you know, he didn't kill all the Amalekites when uh, God gave him that charge to do so. He saved some of the the animals, and he didn't kill the king. The and, king, uh, king Agag, yes, and he. Yeah kept the best of all the animals and the possessions, you know, the wealth and so on, many of those things. Uh, and, yes, that's a disobedience, definitely disobedience. And another time, he actually takes the role of uh, Samuel, and he, instead of waiting for Samuel to show up to, uh, to uh, give the offering, to present the offering to the Lord uh, as the God-ordained person to do that, he himself does it, which is not the role of the king, and uh, we see that as well as something that mm, he just doesn't see the plan. He doesn't understand it seemingly what God's ideal is and God's calling, unique calling for the people of Israel is. And I'm, that's what makes me think sometimes that it, it, it might have been that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. The idea that he didn't obey God and eliminate this king Agag. Uh, and by the way. He didn't do that, and these the Agagites turned out to be a perennial enemy of the people of Israel. His descendants, uh, decades, decades later, created a, a lot of havoc, a lot of problems for the nation of Israel. So, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing when he gave the command, uh, and he's, as he's trying to protect the people of Israel. But uh, go, go ahead. I filled in a little bit there, but is do you kind of agree that possibly it was more the bigger issue of just not understanding the place and the role of Israel that God had for them? 
I think so. Yeah, I think you're really spot on there. Uh, and uh, I think Jacob mentioned before, I think that Haman ended up being yes. I think, one of the descendants of Agag. And, a descendant uh, of Agag. Okay. Uh, Haman, uh, who, the one who, uh, uh, back in, what is it, the book of Esther, we see him right. uh, persecuting and, and trying to destroy the people of Israel. And he's a descendant of, he's an Ag- Agagite, <laughs> I guess uh, you would call him. But, uh, yeah. So when God tells them to destroy the enemies and drive them out and so on, it isn't heartless and cruel. Of course, we've we've understood then that in the, the the rules of war that they operated under, they always gave an opportunity for people to for, for non-combatants to leave the field and all that sort of thing. But here was God gave a clear command for the good of the people of Israel, and uh, and uh, Saul does not obey. And we're told right there in that past, chapter 15 that, well, I, I, you are no longer my hand. Of, I'm removing my hand from your life, and, and God removes his spirit from him. And it just begins a long time of a personal ordeal and frustration and failure for Saul and uh, a lot of pain for the nation as they kind of suffer through the uh, this this leader who, who just didn't understand uh, the plan of God for them as a people. Um, anyway, I, well, we can go on. What, what else might be on your mind, Jim? Is there something else, some other thought about this era, this time, the role of uh, Samuel, for example, or anything that you'd like to share with us? Well, you know, I'm just thinking uh, in my own life, personally, uh, Hebrews talks about, you know, don't despise the Lord's chastening, and, you know, he, he, he chastens those he, those he loves, and, mm. you know, if not chasten them, we're illegitimate. And, I, you know, just, see, just in general, you know, when, when the Lord comes to me, and he pulls away some privilege or some opportunity, you know, I need to, you know, be humble and say, well, yeah, what did he kind of teach me or, you know, what did I do mm. that forfeited that opportunity and like that? But, yeah, it's just, let's learn from Saul's disobedience and how the Lord's hand is with his life. And, you know, Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so we can see how, you yeah. know. Oh, I'm not that's a great responsibility, but I don't have a responsibility, but, yeah, you know, God really does want me to be conformed to Christ's image. So, yeah, I need to be humble and, and have a soft heart toward it. It's a rebuke. great application because, uh, I'm, frankly, I take it very personally even right now in my life, you know, that God is uh, teaching me some things. He may have been spanking me a little bit, and so I... I, I we do. We have to pay attention to that in the discipline of the Lord, his training. It's given always in love. Uh, his desire is to restore us and to for us to uh, experience all that we can experience in, in our relationship with him and with, with the Lord, uh, with the Savior. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great personal application. Well, we've got a prize for you, Jim. Uh, are you here in South Texas? Can you enjoy some tickets to Splashtown or would that be lost on you? I am here. I'm in this area. So okay. That'd be fine. Well, if you don't mind, hang on. Give John here a, uh, an address where we could send those tickets and a phone number to be in touch with you uh, in case we get them back or something. And I need to clarify it. And we'd love to send those to you. And maybe uh, you've got some grandkids or kids or uh, you know, members of the family that would like to take some time out and enjoy Splashtown this summer. We'll, we'll make those tickets available all summer long. So you, maybe you can even win a few more down the line as well. All right? Thank all right. you, Jim, for calling in. Uh, don't hang up now. Let me put you back on hold. And uh, John's going to get that information from from Jim. Well, there's our music. I tell you, the, hour, the time is going by quickly here. Uh, we're still talking about the book of 1 Samuel. A lot of our questions have been answered. Uh, let me ask you, uh, I'll give you another question or two just before we go out. 
Uh, King Saul did not obey God and did not kill, execute King Agag of the Philistines. Who did finally kill King Agag of the Philistines? You'll find the answer in chapter 15, verse 33. Who did ultimately finally kill him? Uh, We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar services today and get $20 off your initial pest control service and ask about the mosquito treatment special 210-979-PEST JenkinsPest.com I'm Bob Jenkins and I approve of this message Find out what author and book we're highlighting this month by clicking on the book of the month tab at the top of the page at KSLR.com Thanks again for listening to AM630 KSLR. Two little tablets is all it takes to make your thin hair feel and look thicker and fuller. Guaranteed. Viviscal is the number one drug-free hair growth supplement in the U.S., with one box being sold every minute globally. It's clinically researched to promote existing hair growth for men and women. And now a 90-day supply of Viviscal is offered in your area risk-free plus free shipping. Call 800-347-6435. Viviscal nourishes thinning hair from within. You'll love your hair growth results guaranteed. Viviscal is so effective, it's recommended by top doctors. Here's Dr. John Laura. As a dermatologist, I feel confident recommending Viviscal. It's backed by 25 years of research and multiple clinical studies that demonstrate Viviscal's effectiveness in promoting the growth of thicker, fuller hair. Want to try Viviscal? Every listener Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flint. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.